Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The run between $725 million and $825 million, a bit more than half of the cost between $400 million and four twenty-five. million, is just going to be lost ticket revenue that's being refunded to customers. The refunding about $425 million. Other costs include compensation for customers both to pay any out-of-pocket expenses and the cost of booking flights on other airlines, hotels, as well as, and I find this interesting, providing 25,000 points to the frequent flyer accounts of affected customers. There's also increased operating costs, such as additional compensation for employees, such as overtime pay. We've been talking about how this was an unprecedented and inconceivable uh, thing that happened, so that's probably the end of it on this. Uh, Snoop, uh, your, your parents... They, they have a good appreciation for history, right? Yes, uh, biblical history, yeah, whether right. it's true or false. Okay, well, then this might might apply to them. Did you? Uh, did they ever go to museums? You yeah, think they, they yep. did. They like museums. You think they'd be interested in going to the Museum of Sex? No. Yeah, probably not. There. No. You said biblical. I mean, knowing them no. in the biblical sense, I mean, it, yes. it, 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 anyway, um, the Museum of Sex has become one of New York City's top-rated attractions on TripAdvisor. Now they're opening a museum of sex in Miami, and there's going to be a new outpost to house everything from <clears throat> sexy robots, Jeff, to an exhibition Ooh, on the history of sexual health products. I can see it. Part of that thing includes <laughs> arti- artifacts. Mm. We're talking about sexual the, health products. That that looks like power tools and hair dryers, doesn't it? That's you know what we're we're going down a road that I don't know how far we need to go down. It. Yeah, I know. That's why I stopped right there. Just wanted to let you know there was a photo of that. Um, uh, it, so anyway, it is set across three gallery spaces. Opening exhibitions include a solo presentation. Uh, from Hajin Soyama, who has previously collaborated uh, in and uh, with others in the past. You know, there's a mm, robot thing. If you there. want to know more about coitus, do you need to really go to a museum? Isn't that what the internet's for? Uh, well, well I, I, yeah, I guess. But they anyway, the uh, the Museum of Sex is opening a branch there. Okay, and then finally, and this happened last Thursday in Houston. Um. So, there's a bit of a vigilante story here. Uh, there was a taqueria down on South Gessner Road, and you know where that is on that far southeastern side of Houston. Uh, around 11.30 night on Thursday, guy walks in to rob the place, and there's lots of people in there, and he starts walking around wearing black clothing, a black ski mask and gloves, and walked in and was demanding money and was robbing all these patrons. And then the guy walks in, Another guy, and he turns around to do him, and the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him dead. So the robber was shot. The suspect was shot multiple times. The patron then took all the money that he stole, gave it back to everybody. Off the bloody body? And then, yeah, and then left. Have you seen the surveillance video from this? 
I've not. There's video. It's like yeah. It's a, they have a camera in the in the restaurant. It's like full on that the di- it's like the diner scene out of Pulp Fiction. Whoa! But Jules pulls the trigger. Wow! Seriously, like it's that's why. Yeah, the dude is like remarkably calm, just sitting in the booth, just chilling, and then bang, it's, it's done. Yeah, takes that. And oh, by the how much did you lose? Twenty, and you lost forty. <laughs> You know, straight ten dollars of it. No, I saw you only at thirty. Okay, I'm done here. My work here is finished. Yeah, you remember the diner scene, Snoop, when Jules is all cool and he starts eating his muffin again, and Vince is like, "We better get out of here." Yes. Police are trying to find this man, but they say there's no plans to charge him. With Come the crime. on, Yolanda, what's Fonzie like? Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. right. He's cool. Okay, so Jeff Howe Excellent. is about to head over to campus. Men's basketball media availability, so he'll be reporting on all of that. Yes, tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a little basketball highlight montage for you coming out here at the top of the next hour. And John Denton, radio analyst for TCU football and men's basketball, will join us next hour. We'll also hear from Rodney Terry and Brock Cunningham following the Longhorn win on Saturday. All that and more coming up when we continue on Light the Tower. Placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the texas longhorns craig way on your live local and independent home for sports talk in austin the horn works for the chris harris entry pass broken up and then back out front then knock loose still the mitchell quick hands to take it away from asbury into the front court right shot fake on the three goes around john michael right and lays it off the glass boy gets a lot out of that shot fake and that's gonna prompt a timeout coming a 30-second timeout called by Mike Moynton, the head coach there at the Longhorns. Now have opened up a six-point lead, their largest of this first half at 13-7. to 15-12, Texas the lead inside pass goes to Dylan DeSue. Dishes underneath. Now back to DeSue. Worked it from Allen to Tyrese Hunter. Trying to dribble, penetrate, in trouble. Back out front to DeSue. Now to Carr as the horns reset. Marcus on the left side. Working against Harris. Nine on the shot clock in the corner. A wide open to suit for three, and it's good. Excellent shot that time. Good patience on the offensive end. Longhorns match their largest lead of this first half. Up six at 18-12. 10-25 remaining in the first half. To the right side. And Oklahoma State showing zone for the first time. A 2-3 look. Carr calls out a play to run against the zone. On the left wing, Marcus sends it to Morris in the corner. Jabari Rice thought about a three, doesn't shoot it. Sends it in to Dylan DeSue. Working against Smith. Goes reverse side and scores off the glass. Good agility, good footwork that time for the first layup. Dylan with five. Longhorns have their largest lead of this first half. Up eight points at 22 to 14. 7.45 remaining in the first half. Six-point Texas lead at 35-29. Four minutes gone by second half. Into the front court. Left side, Thompson on the right wing. Now to Anderson, goes past Morris, goes in, standing him up as Mitchell to block his shot, and Mitchell comes away with it for Texas. DeSue blocked it, stood him up, and then Mitchell came away with a loose ball. Brock Cunningham, off to Marcus Carr. Now to Brock Cunningham. Longhorns have gone over six minutes without a field goal. To the right side, working it. To Bishop again in the paint against Caleb Boone. Trying to go up and under around. High off the glass. Got the bucket in one. There's that missing field goal. And that's going to get Christian Bishop to the line for a free throw. Marcus looking for a target. Still looking. Has to lob it out front to Jabari Rice. 
Bryce holds it on the right side. Into the corner. Three-pointer up. It's good, and he's fouled. Marcus Carr drains the three. Knocked off his pins. He'll have a free throw to come. Allen in the front court. Needs help. Picks it up. Cross-court pass. Cunningham holds it. Now back out front again for Texas as it goes to Carr. Marcus on the dribble. 40-39 Texas under 10 minutes remaining. Allen right side trying to drive in. Now works it back out for a Cunningham. A long three. Good. Brock nails the three. His first field goal of the day. And Texas is back up four. 43-39. It might as well be Brock. So Texas will inbound again. 18 on the shot clock. 2-11 on the game clock. Longhorns with the ball up 450-46. Inbounded to Carr. Marcus against Avery Anderson. Brock Cunningham trying to provide a screen. Instead, it goes to Cunningham. A three-pointer. Good! Brock knocking down a second big three today. And Texas is up seven, 53-46. Half a minute to go. Asbury, a long, long three. No good. Rebound, Hunter. That's going to do it. Oklahoma State will peel off now. And the Longhorns will bounce back from the disappointing home loss to get a huge road win. Texas will start Big 12 play. 2-0 2-0 in the state of Oklahoma, 2-0 on the road. Final score this afternoon from Gallagher, Iba Arena, and Stillwater. The Texas Longhorns, 56. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, 46. Thanks to Snoop Daniel there. Uh, nice little highlight montage opened up. Uh, second hour of the program there with the Longhorns with a 56-46 win over Oklahoma State to go to 2-1 in Big 12 Conference play. Both of the wins were on the road. And, uh, of course, the one loss was at home to Kansas State. They got another group wearing purple coming in on Wednesday night to Moody Center when TCU takes on Texas. So this is our number two year Life the Tower on the Horn. Jeff Howe headed over to uh, campus for the media availability with Rodney Terry and uh, Longhorn players on that. And uh, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to visit with a radio analyst of the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, that's John Denton in his, uh, his working, about to work his final football game ever uh, as uh, TCU's radio analyst. And then he will uh, work uh, his final basketball season. And uh, he will, uh, he'll be here on Wednesday night, so we'll look forward to uh, seeing J.D. But we'll, we'll visit with him coming up in a little bit. Uh, you heard during that highlight montage, uh, Brock Cunningham at two monster threes uh, down the stretch. One to push a Texas lead from one point to four, and the other one to push it to seven late in the contest. And, and you heard Eddie Orrin say, well, it might as well be Brock, because he lately has been a go-to guy uh, on both ends of the floor. And also had a couple of big free throws earlier. So um, you heard me tell the story about the no water uh, at the uh, at the hotel, and the team came over. That was part of the conversation, but it was mainly about the winning edge that Texas had to have, and Brock Cunningham helping to provide that when we visited after the game. You pull the trigger on those pretty quickly when it comes to you, and we've talked about this before. You don't really have any hesitation about it, but when is the most comfortable feel for you when you get the ball when you know to put up a three? Uh, it's within the offense. You know, we work a lot on what shots are good shots for me and putting in the work on them, but I only got open because of the great players around 
me. The defense had to respect Marcus, Tyrese Jabari, and I think Timmy at the end of the game, so it opened it up for me with good players around me. Coach Sherry just talked about how you guys have really put in the work defensively coming off the Kansas State game. Can you describe what those two days of practice were like? It was a lot of defense. I'm not sure we touched a ball after that game, that next practice, but it showed today, and we're just going to keep getting better on defense. Okay. Did the black eye happen in practice or today? Kansas State. Oh, okay. I didn't see it at first there. Yeah, it's kind of hiding. It's got some good color, though, but uh, that's a Kansas State injury. The guys have said all along that no matter what the situation was with regard to coaching, you guys were going to go out and do your job. Safe to say that that was the mission today, even though there's a note of finality on what has happened before that you guys had work to do and going out about your job? Yeah, it's about doing what you can control. You know, we're here to win games and represent the University of Texas, and I think we did a good job of that today. Do you okay with no water at the hotel the night before the game? I'm great. Uh, Maybe we should do no water more often, but uh, that was a crazy scenario. Yeah, uh, again, his head coach and probably his teammates won't agree with that. He probably, uh, they want to make sure they've got running water uh, at the the hotel, even though they played well enough. To um, Brock Cunningham's point, about defense, and you'll hear it from uh, Rodney Terry coming up at the bottom of the hour with our Longhorn notebook. The uh, Remember that the Longhorns gave up 116 points to Kansas State. K-State shot 61% from the floor. I think they shot 58% from three-point range. They shot 94% from the foul line. Uh, in short, they were making just about everything they put up a lot of. And some of that was uh, just flat out. You know, they were on fire and could not miss. Some of it was not executing defensively the way it was talked about, especially against the pick and roll and the double high screen that K-State was rolling. It caused the Longhorns problems against Kansas State. You heard Brock Cunningham talk about it, and you'll hear Rodney Terry talk about it coming up at the bottom of the hour. They spent two hours when they went back to the practice floor after the loss to Kansas State. Two hours of a practice only on defense. Now, some would say, well, maybe that's why they only shot 32% if it came on Saturday. Sometimes you can get caught in some of those uh, those uh, slogs, those uh, rock fights, so to speak. And I've, I've been up there many, many times to Stillwater and seen games kind of break out. Remember the one a couple of years ago during the pandemic? It was just awful. Both in neither team. You think you think the team struggled to shoot on Saturday? I have to go back and look up the numbers on that. It was really bad a couple of years ago when they played up there uh, during the pandemic, where both sides really struggled to shoot the basketball. Uh, Longhorn shot thirty-two percent, and they held uh, they held the, uh, uh, Oklahoma State to thirty percent shooting. Longhorns did shoot twenty-eight percent from three-point range. But one thing they continue to do is shoot free throws well. Even in the loss to Kansas State, the Longhorns hit 85% of their foul shots. And on Saturday, they hit 81%. 17 out of 21. This team, as a team, is now shooting 73% from the foul line. Even a guy like Timmy Allen, who's been a, uh, throughout his collegiate career when he was at Utah, a very solid free-throw shooter, got off to an awful start this year. He was 8 for 20 at the foul line at one point. 8 for 20 before the start of conference play. He has now hit 20 of his last 27. So he has it up to a robust 60% now. But he's he's uh, he, it's been on the rise. And for everybody, it's been on the rise uh, for that. So um, that was uh, the recap of that. And now they get ready for TCU. A TCU team which lost on uh, Saturday at home. Otherwise, they would be bringing a 3-0 and conference record in the Moody Center. They're 2-1, and just like Texas. And um, their uh, loss, uh, by the way, 
was at home and just like the Longhorns, but their loss was to Iowa State, and Iowa State uh, needed a three-pointer from Gabe Kalsher to win it. As uh, Iowa State led for most of that basketball game, but uh, TCU came back, took the lead, then Iowa State got the uh, shot that was the uh, the game winner for them from Kalsher to win that one 69-67. So uh, there it is, the recap on all of that. Coming up next, we'll talk about tonight's national championship game in college football with John Denton, the radio analyst for TCU Horn Frog Football. Also, he's the analyst for TCU Basketball, so we'll preview the Texas-TCU men's game at Moody Center on Wednesday night. We'll do that. We have a long notebook coming up and more when we continue with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you. And a uh, lot to discuss, not the least of which, of course, is college football's national championship game tonight, SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California. And joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, longtime friend. And a longtime radio analyst for uh, TCU's radio network, getting ready to work his final broadcast as the radio analyst for Horn Frog Football. It's our good friend John Denton who joins us. JD, how are you today? Craig Way, I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great. Couldn't, couldn't be better. I, and I appreciate you uh, uh, taking time. I, I wanted to visit with you one more time. Now, you're, you're still obviously going to be finishing out the basketball season, and I'd look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. And we'll talk about the basketball game in a, in a minute. But has it has it sunk into you that this is going to be the, your, your, your last football game that you're working? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's it's been kind of a month. You know, school did a really nice – deal for me at the uh, final home game uh, back in late November against uh, against Iowa State and you know that, that kind of uh, that being my last home game and you know it's it's been as Sonny Dyke said we're not we're not ready to let you go just yet they keep extending the season so it's it's been a it's been a nice month or so of uh, you know kind of easing into it but yeah I, I uh, I'm, I'm realizing that this is it and uh, you know how better how better to finish it out than at the national championship game? You couldn't write a script like this. And here's the other odd thing, Craig. My first game on the crew was September 10th of '88 on the old Southwest Conference Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With Bill Coates in Athens between the hedges at Georgia, how wow. about that for you know coming full circle? Wow! And 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 uh, by and by the way, that was my first season as the studio anchor in the old Southwest Conference right. Radio Network. I remember doing a live toss to you guys <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the old the old Bill Oak. The old Bill O'Connell whirl around. Absolutely, we did the old whip around stuff. He he kind of invented it uh, back in the he did, he did used to call it the whirl around uh, back then. And 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 John and I, by the way, know each other. We go back farther than that. We knew each other uh, back during uh, 
the uh, the, the uh, pro golf circuit days around the Metroplex, and your dad so instrumental uh, there for so many years over there with the Oak Cliff and the Seniors event, and then of course you guys at Colonial, and then and and it was only years later that we just stumbled upon the accidental revelation that you had attended elementary school with who is now my late wife Laurie and I saw the and she showed me the pictures of you guys in second and third grade and even then at Mark Twain Elementary School in in, in Oak Cliff you were a tall drink of water <laughs> yes the fighting mustangs of Mark Twain yes yeah Laurie and I we started the first grade together. We went to, we went. To, I, I moved after third grade, but we were we were in the same class three straight years, and we got to be big buddies. Now that's really cool. Um, so let's let let me get your thoughts on the on this football game. And it's been, I know, for a lot of folks, uh, 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 an almost unbelievable ride uh, for TCU. But I know you felt really good about this team going into the year, even with uh, Sonny Dykes starting his first season. A lot of veterans back on this, so. Has there been really that much that has just thrown you off your pins and go, wow, didn't expect this all the way up to this point? You know, I, I think, Craig, you know, the, the, one of the big things is that whenever you change coaches, I mean, sometimes programs take a step back. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Uh, Gary Patterson left the cupboard packed and full. There's a lot of talent, a lot of speed. He and his staff did a great job always evaluating players. And I think, you know, Sonny, having worked here one year in 2017 as an analyst, kind of kind of knew, you know, the, the, the talent level and knew what the situation was and also knew just, you know, the level of support that the administration gives the athletic department and in particular the, the football program. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Sonny came in, they, they used the transfer portal, brought in six or seven key guys that have helped just about every uh, position group on this team. And, you know, changed up the way they they did things. And I think probably the biggest surprise is, uh, you know, not Max Duggan. Everybody goes, oh, Max Duggan, he won the starter, blah, blah, blah. Well, he was a starter for the last three years. I mean, the, the guy the guy has it. I think your bigger, bigger uh, impact is the defense. And the way that this 3-3-5 defense that Joe Gillespie installed has come along. And, and really, you saw it firsthand. The Texas game was really kind of the coming out game for that defense. They had kind of struggled in spots. They played a good quarter here and there, but really had not put together a complete game until they got to Austin. And, and you saw that firsthand, how they played the run game physically and, and really were very dominant. And that, that was the first game where the defensive line really kind of started to show itself. And since then, they've been really good. And that's going to be a, a big key tonight. Can that defensive line – continue to pressure. They were great against Michigan, and they've got to do it again tonight against a pretty darn good offensive line for Georgia. No doubt about it. Now, on the other side, uh, one of those key matchups certainly would be the running game for the Frogs against Georgia's front seven. I know it's going to be a game-time decision for Kendra Miller, uh, but Imari DiMarcato certainly had a, had a big game with 150 yards on 17 carries. So is there is the Sonny and, and, and the offensive staff have a good feeling even if Miller is unable to go, that they could still churn out enough of a ground game to supplement what Duggan's doing through the air and with his own legs. Yeah, well, and, and Dean Mercado, I mean, he's a quality back. I mean, he had a big game last year against Oklahoma State. And, uh, you know, last year, at one point in the season when the Frogs were struggling, he was the only scholarship running back available on the roster. So Amari's been through some things, but, you know, he got thrown into the game last week against Michigan. 
and was fully prepared. And when when Kendra Miller went down, yeah, there was a, there was a, you know everybody took a deep breath and, and were shocked. But I said on the air that you know Amari Di Mercado is no bargain for Michigan because he's a different kind of back. He's a change of pace back. He gets to the hole. Doesn't need a lot of room. He gets to the hole quicker than Kendra does. Kendra's more of a kind of be patient, sort it out, find a slot, and jump through it. Imacado's fast, and he showed speed. He had the 63-yard run last week against Michigan, and, and he's he's good. There's another guy that nobody's talking about who uh, played for uh, for Louisiana, uh, and Amani Bailey, who's 5'9", he's about 200 pounds, very quick. He's probably the fastest of all of them and uh, has, has had a really – Good game. Had 117 yards in the Sun Belt Conference Championship against App State last year. He's a guy who can go. But you mentioned it, Max Duggan and his legs. I mean, he's like another running back out there at quarterback. He's 210 pounds, and I think people forget that. I mean, they think of him as kind of scrambling around and throwing. But he's a guy that's uh, got to be effective tonight. When when he sees space, he's got to take advantage of it. And the big deal is he's got to get down. You got to keep Max Duggan. In this game, I think it comes, you know, games like this come down a lot of times. Who has the better quarterback? I think that's TCU, and they've got to keep Max healthy and uh, keep him in the game, you know, the full 60 minutes. Have you uh, had a chance to walk around inside SoFi Stadium, and what's your impressions of it? Well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, I don't want to use spaceship, but it's, uh, it's you know, it's an open-air stadium with, uh, with, you know, fully covered I think the interesting part is going to be tonight, you know, the weather and, you know, how fast does it cool off and if there will be any breeze at all, because we were talking with some of the staff from the Rams and they were telling us about when it gets windy, that it doesn't swirl at the ends. It's either going to go from one goal, uh, one end zone to the other. It's going to be up the field or down the field. And because the stadium sits so low, the field is so low, below grade, what you end up with is a tailing wind that's also, a downdraft, and so the ball, especially kicking into it, is not going to travel as far because it's being forced back down to the field. And uh, and again, kicking with it, you won't get the carry that you might because the force of the the wind behind you is a downdraft as well. So we're going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to go walk the field uh, when we get to the stadium later today and see you know see what it feels like. But it's going to be going to be very interesting. Fast track, artificial turf, uh, the same surface that we have in our indoor facility at TCU. So, should be good footing and uh, should be very familiar, at least for our guys. Yeah, uh, John Denton, radio analyst, TCU football and basketball. So let, let me get a let me get a quick. I know you were already out in LA and didn't get a chance to see the the, the heartbreaking end uh, for the frogs the other day. On uh, Gabe Kausher's done that to a lot of people, uh, by the way, but. It is a 2-1 start. Got a huge road win in Waco over Baylor. How about uh, what Jamie Dixon has going on with his basketball team that will come in to Moody Center on Wednesday night? Well, it's a very athletic group. Everybody is back from last year's team that you know probably should have gotten to the Sweet 16, save for uh, talk about a strip sack in football. That's what happened to Mike Miles against Arizona in that second-round game that was a no-call. But they're all back. It's a very fast group. They like to run, uh, leads the nation in fast break points, up around 21 points a game on fast breaks. That's how they won the Baylor game the other night. They just turned up the speed and, and uh, in the second half just ran Baylor not quite out of the gym, but uh, ran them to the point that you know they could come away with a victory. The, the problem for the Frogs, they've got to get off to a better start. They've been kind of a slow starting team. Of uh, That 2-1 uh, start, they, they, uh, Craig, they've only led nine minutes 
of all those games. Wow! So they they need to uh, they need to to get get off the bigger start, build a lead, and, and control games. They can do that uh, with Mike Miles and Damian Ball at guard. I mean, they're really good. They've got uh, some you know the big guys, Eddie Lampkin and, and Xavier Cork. I mean, they, this is a this is a team that's pretty much too deep at all in all positions, and uh, it's, a, it's a situation where. They, you know, they, they need to get off to a faster start. They're going to have to do that Wednesday night in, in Austin, or they're going to be in trouble again. I, I think that's the only, really, the, the only mark on this team that, that you can say right now because they've got athleticism, they can run, they've got inside game, they can shoot it from the outside, but uh, they, they've got to figure out how to get to uh, a hotter, hotter start. They caught up with them against um, Iowa State the other night. I saw or the other day. I saw the end of that game. It was heartbreaking because they got a defensive stop and could not get the rebound, control it. And it bounced out. Iowa State had about four seconds left to work with, and they got it to the right guy. I mean, that's not the first time that Kelsher's done that to somebody. As you said, he's, he's a he's a deep threat. But I've, I've seen him hitting threes in pregame, but, you know, from half court without even trying. So, uh, unfortunate end there. But, you know, that's Big 12 basketball. It is on a night and night. Okay, so so I close with this. I mean, if, if the Frogs win the national championship tonight – are, are you going to come back and be here on Wednesday for the basketball game, or are you just going to say, you know what, this is a perfect place to just clock out? I mean, I know you've got other responsibilities with your future uh, position on down the road, but are you, are, are you just planning to like clock out for about a month and hang out in Cali? Is that the deal if they win tonight? No, you know, uh, I will I will be in Austin. You'll, you'll see my bright, shiny face now. I might, I might not be in the best of shape, if you know what I mean, if, uh, if things go – perfectly uh tonight but no i'll be in austin um looking forward to seeing the moody center and uh seeing you and and uh you know and, and, and uh, i've got family down in the austin area i need to check in on so no i will i will definitely i will definitely be there and you know funny jamie dixon texted me last week after uh after the end of the michigan game when you know we'd locked down the spot in the national championship game he said well i guess you expect me to take you to the final four now and he goes I said, yep, I've already got it on my calendar. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Hey, uh, John, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Have a great time tonight. Enjoy it. Best of luck to you and the Frogs. Look forward to seeing you uh, when you get down here on Wednesday. All right, Craig. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you. Thank you, J.D. All right. uh, That's John Denton, radio analyst for the TCU Horned Frogs, and uh, he's about to work his final game as as, uh, the analyst on Horned Frog football broadcast, and then he'll be here uh, uh, because he's also their analyst on basketball, and he'll be here on uh, Wednesday. Uh, So uh, as if on cue, we should go to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Well, it's okay. But no Jeff Howell. Jeff Howell did his Longhorn Notebook last night. Right now, Jeff Howell is on campus at uh, UT for the media availability going on with Rodney Terry and also with Longhorn players. Uh, but here was the conversation I had with Rodney after the game. And again, uh, what was also mixed in was this whole business about uh, the uh, water main break and still water, and there was no water at the team hotel overnight Friday night and the Saturday morning and all of that sort of stuff. But the, uh, but the team did not let any of the outside distractions or anything like that affect them as they went about their business on Saturday and held Oklahoma State to 30% shooting and 70 fewer points allowed than what they gave up to Kansas State. You think about that, 116 scored by the Wildcats last Tuesday and only 46 
against Texas. It was all part of the conversation I had with Rodney Terry. What a finish by your guys. 12-1 to 1 over the final 6-24 in the ballgame. What was the difference for your guys down the stretch? I give my guys a lot of credit. You know, we won this game back in Austin. We got back the day that we could get back on the floor and start working. We went straight to our defense. I mean, we spent two hours working on nothing but defense, 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 defensive drills. We did it the entire practice. We didn't do one offensive drill. You know, and we just had to get back to our identity, who we are. We got to sit down and guard. In this league, you got to be able to play defense and guard and get stopped. We'll find ways to score. We got a lot of great looks tonight, you know, and we didn't make some good shots. We had shots around the rim. They're a really good rim-protecting team, but this game was won back in Austin. Speaking of rim-protecting, how about uh, Dylan Mitchell for you with 12 boards today? Dylan Mitchell played tremendous for us today. He really did. He's played with an incredible motor today on both ends of the floor, and, you know, the thing we've been kind of expecting to see from him, and both young guys, both young guys. Terrio came in and played great defense today, and he's buying into the defensive part, and we know he can score the basketball at times for during the year for us as well, but really proud of those young guys and proud of older guys as well. Those guys really stood tall, especially down the stretch. You know, Brock making a big shot, but he puts a lot of work in and you know what Marcus has done this whole year and stuff. So Timmy came in and made big plays. CB playing not 100% today. So just proud of my guys. You mentioned Brock hitting the big three there. You mentioned this before. You have no hesitation all about him shooting the three. You're comfortable with that. No, very comfortable. He has put so much time in in the summer, in the fall, every day after practice working on this shot. We want him to shoot that ball. I know coaches can be superstitious, but are you really now going to institute something where there's no water at the hotel tonight before a road game? I don't think we're going to do the no water point, you know, but man, that's tough, you know, but I said to our guys earlier, we weren't going to let that be a crush today for us in terms of, you know, obstacles. There's no obstacles guys going to put in front of you that you can't overcome, and the water's nothing. I mean, you know, we're playing basketball. We're getting a chance to play at an elite level, and we got water over in the, in the building over here, so we got over here early, got a shower, and got ready to play. Yeah, <laughs> just... Make chicken salad out of uh, you know, so so they went they went forward and and uh, took care of business there on that. Uh, the uh, Big Twelve standings right now uh, show three teams at the top, three and zero in the league: Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State. Uh, K State got another win in Waco, and and perhaps as impressive as Kansas State is in the league at three and zero is the other the other end of the spectrum, mouth wide open, uh, amazed that Baylor, Texas Tech, and West Virginia are all 0-3 in the league. I know that, that's a surprise there. West Virginia lost at home to Kansas uh, the other day, and they've had a tough starting thing. They had to start off on the road and uh, have uh, back-to-back games on the road for them and then went back home. But uh, certainly Baylor and Texas Tech starting 0-3 in the league has to be a big surprise to a lot of folks. And uh, there's there's some big matchups coming. Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State right around the corner as well. Texas and TCU both 2-1 and one in the league. And they'll play on Wednesday night. That's an 8 o'clock tip-off for Moody Center, Wednesday night at 8. Texas women had a disappointing uh, loss at Oklahoma State on Saturday night, 86-82. Really strange game. Uh, Longhorns had a 26-20 lead at the end of the first quarter, but you could tell right out of the gate it was real high intensity and uh, just you know in in action. And then Oklahoma State started bombing away threes, and uh, they they uh, they have a point guard in Naomi Alnatis, who is a grad transfer from Missouri Kansas City UMKC. That's where their first year head coach uh, J.C. Hoyt came from. She came down. Uh, from Kansas City to be the new head coach of the Cowgirls, which, by the way, opened up a vacancy at Kansas City where their first-year head coach is Deanna Jackson-Durrett, who was on Vic Schaefer's staff the prior couple of years. And she's in her first season as head coach at Kansas City. But 
Uh, they did they did a great job of shooting, and the Longhorns also had some slips on defense as well that cost them down the stretch as well. So Texas is two and one in the Big Twelve. They play Kansas tomorrow night, and um, that's uh, that's going to be an important game because the Kansas women's team is also off to a good start this season. Brandon Schneider's done an excellent job with that program, and even though they lost to Baylor um, on. Um, Saturday, they're two and one in the league. Baylor's on top of the women's standings at three and zero. Kansas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas, all two and one in the league. Texas Tech, K State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia are all one and two, and TCU zero and three in women's play. That's our Longhorn notebook for this hour. Brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. B O W E R S O C K. Bowersockteam.com. It's time now for our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, you heard... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hoop Daniel. <laughs> yes. Hoop Snoop. Been very busy at the top of the program. We talked about that because just as as I laid out earlier how important it was in Big 12 conference play on the men's and women's side, and really and truly conference basketball all across the nation, they are deep into it. Just as that is important, so too is it for high school girls and boys basketball play, which is now in district competition. So everybody, I say everybody, there have been several folks on the Specs text line, Snoop, at 337-3776, several folks wanting to know what's up with the Buta Johnson Jaguars <laughs> with their uh, big win to stop the Westlake win streak. Yeah, it was uh, 70-42 to 42 final. Uh, and w- for one, Westlake, Coach Lucero, salute. Six, almost six years, January 18, 2017, was their last district loss. Robert Lucero's done a great job there. So, congratulations. I, but the world shook. I, You know, like uh, like I said, the, they're slower to get into hoops around here. But once we posted that score, it was like the number one story. Yeah. And Beauty Johnson is very good, by the way. And I, to me, honestly, I, I still feel they're a year away from being their best because their best players are juniors. With How are you exception. feeling, Sam McKinney? Uh, a junior swingman. Yeah. I don't know his ceiling now because, you know, a lot of people, all the hype is on Hudson Greer at Lake Travis, who has an offer from University of Texas, et cetera. But I'm telling like, Sam McKinney is very similar to him. I, I can't, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they played it tomorrow, Craig. LT at Beauty Johnson. That's right. So. I'm assuming they're going to match up, uh, and uh, man, I don't know Sam McKinney's ceiling. Like I said, six—he's still growing. He's six-six. Uh, if I, I'm adding a, or giving an inch, I'm sorry, but he's a, a major talent. 
But also, Jackson Vandergrade, um, they got uh, Quentin Harrison, which I mentioned. Uh, they got a really good overall team, Buta Johnson. Yeah. So that, they were clearly, safe to say, the team that impressed you the most yes. over the weekend on the boys' side. What about the girls' side? Pflugerville. <laughs> uh, okay, so Pflugerville and Hendrickson, both of them were unbeaten in district. 23-5A play. They met on Friday night at the Hawks' place. Probably one of the most electric environments for a girls' high school basketball game that I've seen. And uh, Pflugerville trailed Hendrickson every quarter, but they won by 10. So uh, I think the names, and I'm going to butcher her name, Seaparit. Seaparit Plummer is a young lady who used to play at Elgin. She had two knee surgeries. Um, and this is finally her chance to play. And I think her addition, along with Avery Berry and their other, uh, they, they have a legit chance to, I feel they had the best 5A chance to win, to at least go to the regional. Okay. All right. Since we're on the subject of 5A, what you make of Glenn's win over defending state champion Cedar Park? I don't want to call it a revenge tour against Cedar Park. <laughs> but Cedar yeah, Everybody's Park, taking their shots now with uh, Gisella Ma- uh, Giselle Mall not, uh, not playing this season. Yeah, she's on campus, I believe, already yeah. out on the 40 acres. That's but right. But Shelby Hayes is now down at Rice. So, again, two years. You talk about Vic Schaefer wanting to win every game. Well, that's what Donnie Ott did with the girls' team. Sure. Two straight years, no losses. Tough two-point win. Glenn is actually on the rise as well. It was a two-point loss for Cedar Park to Glenn, but the Grizzlies, I think, are – got to still ask Liberty Hill. I think Liberty Hill is still the toast of that district, but Glenn is uh, right on the on, on their heels. I think that's going to be a great district race, yes. the 11-5A basketball race. Yeah, and, and, and Georgetown, like, don't forget Coach Forney. For her, they have a super young team. I cannot believe I know this much about girls' varsity hoops. I'm, like, shocking myself. You are hoop snoop after all. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough in that district, and uh, we'll follow it at flxatx.com. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> wow, I can't believe I know that much about varsity basketball. Well, there you go. You're diving into it. I'm that's and good for them because they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, there somebody pointed out about the the Hayes girls getting a win over yeah. Cedar Park. They, yes, uh, again, I, I don't want to say everybody is beating Cedar Park, but Hayes girls are, I believe, five in the state. Neela Castillo. Yes, um, and they got a freshman. If that's a freshman, forgive me. But what's funny, they got the Dessou twins, Dylan yeah. Dessou's little sisters. Yeah, and yeah. they are some ballers. That was Cedar Park's first home loss in five years yeah. when that happened mm-hmm. off of that. So yes, Cedar Park, uh, I'll impressive. see you on the 13th. I'll be out there for the Liberty Hill game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, that's our, uh, our Flex 30 update uh, for you. And uh, coming up, we'll be back with a, c- a few final notes. We'll wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. The Loghorns will bounce back. We get ready to uh, wrap up today's edition. By the way, a footnote on the song, you know, with the Ronettes and um, and you have Phil Spector, the big wall of sounds was called, and Ronnie Spector and all this. Billy Joel says he borrowed the style from this when he did his song "Say Goodbye to Hollywood." He had that boom, 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 boom. You borrowed from that. He said, "I borrow from lots of styles. I don't steal." So the words and lyrics and music is my own, but I borrow styles. And I think a lot of musicians have done that, have borrowed off of styles. 
Have you thought about where you're headed uh, tomorrow for high school um, basketball? Steve? Well, I have to start early at 5 p.m. With, with soccer at St. Michael's, and then afterwards, oh, gosh. Well, I the reason know. why I say that is because our friend Purple Buffalo's daddy uh-huh. loves to uh, go uh, mano a mano with uh, Jeff House. Oh, says, oh, Gerald was playing Marble Falls? Says, Snoop. Come check out Cougar Hoops on Friday at Lago Vista. Oh, at Lago Vista. Okay, they got Marble Falls, I believe, uh, this Tuesday. But on right. Friday they got, okay, I might, maybe. I can't promise, but, uh, Well, yeah. at some point, you need to you yes. need to go check them out, you know, mm-hmm. out of the out of the area. I think that would probably be a good thing if you, sure. if you did that and got a chance. But, see, it, it's double the issue now for you as opposed to football because you've got, you're, you're covering both boys and girls. Now, yes. the games don't last as long as a football game, so you're able to bebop around and see you know a couple of games in a night, right? Normally, if I'm really hustling, I'll hit three games, and that's uh, like a normal hustle. Did I hear you talking up the other day when I was, when I was traveling? Did I, uh, did I hear you talking up uh, going to Eastside uh, East Memorial's gym? Over there, and, and of course, they got an entirely new campus. It was different yeah. uh, with Lawson moving into the old Eastside campus, which before that was the Johnston campus. But Eastside Memorial has their new campus, I and new gym, say right? Their new gym is top five. I, you know, wow. I, I, I put the, I put them at one. That might have been knee jerk, but when I think about it, I feel Mainer is up there, and then I feel. Man, yeah. a, a Beauty Johnson's gym is also beautiful. Maybe that's the reason that they're winning. Not. So, well, so nice top, gym doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's but, for sure. But Eastside, and I've talked to their athletic director, and they said they will be open for hosting. And it's a good, massive, beautiful gym. Good. I'll uh, I'll look forward to that. Oh, All yeah. right. Oh, we're out of time. Yeah, we <laughs> are out of time. Blah, blah, there blah, we blah, are. Blah, we're blah, up blah, against blah. it. So I uh, want to let folks know. Stay <laughs> tuned because coming up is Chad and Zay. They'll bring you their version of the world. I'm sure there'll be lots of cowboy talk on that as well. And then uh, it'll be ball don't lie afterwards. Uh, Jeff and I will be back tomorrow. And uh, he'll recap uh, what happened uh, today over the media availability. And we'll be getting closer to previewing that Texas TCU basketball matchup. Again, that's 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. So, for Jeff Howe, for our man behind the glass, Noob Daniel, I'm Craig Way. We thank you for joining us. Stay tuned. Up next is Chad and Zay. And we'll visit with you tomorrow. You're on Light the Tower on the Horn. What if you could-